Hello, welcome back to the Guitar Craft and Other Stuff podcast. I'm your host, Andre Flood, and today we are doing, we are talking about, we are podcasting Sophisticated Blues article number two. For those of you who are unaware, I have a newsletter uh, called Guitar Craft, and as part of the Guitar Craft newsletter, we have a series called Sophisticated Blues, where I basically talk about blues playing, explain how nuanced it can be, how beautiful it can be, how it relates to other genres, so on and so forth. And um, as part of that newsletter, we do an accompanying podcast for people who don't want to read an article, want to just listen to someone explain it. And then we also do a Patreon lesson as well with the article. Usually the Patreon lesson is obviously Patreon members only, but for today and for this article, you can watch the Patreon lesson for free. I just ask that if you found it useful or, you know, if you think it's if you think it's worth it, also subscribe to the Patreon. That's all I ask. Now, I know a lot of you miss that regular podcast. And guys, I'm really sorry that I haven't been able to keep up with the weekly podcast thing. It's just that I'm at a point. I'm in I'm in this transition phase with what I'm trying to do with the guitar stuff. And I just couldn't keep everything going at once in terms of the Patreon and the podcasts and the gear reviews and the lessons and the private students and the full-time job, you know, it just became a little bit too much, but if we can get through this next little hump, I will bring it back with much more regularity. And I'm excited for that as well. And I have a lot of things to talk about and some other guests that I want to have on and all of that stuff. But for now, sophisticated blues number two, we're talking about the magic of the major pentatonic scale and the major pentatonic scale, in my opinion, is the most underrated, the most crucial scale you can really play. Of course, the minor pentatonic scale is very important too, but guitarists spend so much time on a minor pentatonic scale without fully thinking about the utility of the major pentatonic scale, and we want to change that today. Mastery of the major pentatonic scale if you already have an idea of how the minor pentatonic scale works, could, can really take your playing to heights that you probably didn't imagine were possible. It's much simpler than it seems, and this is this is the secret of so many great blues players and rock players, from Joe Bonamassa to Stevie Ray Vaughan to BB King. A lot of the things that they do that make them sound so fancy is just mixing the major pentatonic in to the minor pentatonic things that you all already know. And if you don't know them, we'll talk about that in a future article. So in terms of what the major pentatonic scale is, uh, if you just think about box two of your minor pentatonic scale, that is the major pentatonic box. You just have to move that major pentatonic box to the position that you're playing in. So we all know the key of A we have on the high E string and the low E string, our first finger on the fifth fret, and we know our major, our minor pentatonic shape. If we take box two of the minor pentatonic scale and play it with our first finger starting on the A on the E string on the fifth fret, we and we play that box two where we'll have our major pentatonic scale and that sound. More importantly than the shape itself are the intervals, of course, and the intervals that are part of this scale are the root, the second, the third, the fifth, and the major sixth. That's root, second, third, fifth, sixth. 
Now, for those of you who know a little bit of music theory, who know a little bit of jazz theory, you probably already have an idea of why this scale is so important. But for those who don't understand, um, who have not yet learned, who have not yet kind of gone down that road. In music, in Western music, we have a few different types of chords that are common. We have triads, which are just three note chords. We have seventh chords, which are four note chords. There's a lot of others, but these are kind of the bases that we think about usually. Now for triads, we have one major flavor, that's just a major triad. But for seventh chords, we have two primary flavors of, of major sounds. We have major seven, and we have dominant seven. Now if we were improvising in any context, where we're using a seventh note scale, like your regular major scale, like your regular minor scale, and so on. We can't use the same scales over major seven or major six and dominant seven. We need different scales because of various different things. Mainly, it's the seventh degree. So in a dominant seven chord, you have a flat seven degree. In a major seven chord, you have a natural seventh degree. If you play a flat seven over a major seven or a major seven over a flat seven, it's not going to sound good. So we need different scales to play over those different chords. The other thing you have to worry about when improvising using full scales, seven note scales, is that each, each chord that you play over has an avoid note, also known as a note that sounds bad when you play it. So within the scale you're using to improvise, you have a note that you have to constantly avoid and you have to be mindful of that. For major and dominant seven chords, that's the, uh, the perfect fourth that doesn't sound good. So you can imagine you're trying to learn how to improvise and you have to learn how to play over minor chords and dominant chords and major seven chords and uh, half diminished chords and diminished chords. You have to worry about major seven versus minor versus dominant seven. You have to worry about avoiding the fourth. It can be so overwhelming when you're new to it. And we're going to learn how to do all that stuff eventually if we, if we care to do so. But we can avoid all of that concern and all of that issue with just playing the major pentatonic scale. And that's because the major pentatonic scale is completely safe no matter what you're playing as long as it's major. Major triads, major seven sharp 11, dominant seven, major six. No matter what the major tonality is, you can play the major pentatonic scale and it's going to sound good. And so if you think about it, if we have minor sounds and major sounds in music and dominant sounds, we only need two scales to play any of that stuff. That's minor pentatonic and major pentatonic. And again, this is why it's such a powerful tool. If we start here and we get this foundation going, then we have a, essentially we have a, a, a safety blanket at, at our bottom of our pyramid. And if we ever get lost, if we ever get confused, we can revert back to the minor pentatonic scale or the major pentatonic scale to bail us out. And when we're confident, we can throw in some of our more sophisticated, some of our more seven note, you know, complex ideas, triads, arpeggios, all of that stuff. As a final point to this whole topic of why it works, I'll just say it again. Since the intervals are one, three, five, six, sorry, one, two, three, five, six, we have our tonic, our major third, our major second, our perfect fifth, our major sixth. Since those are the intervals, it already gets rid of the fourth, which can be an avoid note. It gets rid of every seventh, so you don't have to worry about playing the correct seventh. And you just have the notes that work and that sound good. So 
if we just played a major pentatonic scale, and again, I really recommend you follow along with the article now, and then later when you have your guitar next to you, pull up the lesson. It's totally free this week. Not this week. It's totally free for this article. When we have our major pentatonic scale, we're going to, of course, want to spend some time trying to get used to it and trying to make it sound more than the scale. And we do that with a few different ways. We add some vibrato to things. Of course, we can add vibrato to every note and we want to make sure that it's musical. So you practice that as well. Record yourself playing different just scale passages with vibrato and try to get it to sound how you want it to sound for what sounds good to you. And then we have two notes in the scale that we can start to manipulate. For the sixth, okay, the sixth degree, we can bend that note or slide from that note to the major, uh, excuse me, to the minor seventh or the flat seven. You hear me say minor seven, you hear me say flat seven, it's the same thing. The flat seven is common. It's part of the dominant seven chord. And of course, we're playing a dominant seven chord in our blues. So we can move from the flat, we can move from the flat seven to the six even though the flat seven isn't in the major pentatonic scale, but that's one way we can add a little bit more diversity, a little bit more intrigue to this scale. And we can also add in the minor third between the major second and the major third. And adding that minor third is a really important key because it helps us to create these, these really fancy, typical phrases that come from the major pentatonic sound. So in the article, I have a few different phrases. In the lesson, I have a few different ways of explaining it, but essentially we slide from the minor third to the major third, we slide from the minor third to the major second, and that slide to and from those notes mixed with the other notes from the pentatonic scale, the major pentatonic scale, that's going to really create that iconic sound. And you, so you're going to really want to spend a lot of time working with different ideas like that. Now in the article, and in the lesson, I make a really important point about learning licks, and I'll say it here for you guys too. And we're going to do a whole podcast, a whole, we might even do a whole series. I might do a whole course on this at some point because it's so important. I spent over a decade doing this the wrong way. Well over a decade because no one taught me to do it the right way. And I, I'm not, you know, I'm not talking bad about any of my past teachers. I had amazing teachers growing up. But a lot of people just learn this stuff intuitively and they're not the best at trying to explain how to do it. And that's just because not everyone is going to be as good of a teacher as they are a player. To this day, all of my past teachers are much, much better players than I am by far. But I think that my gift is explaining these things, you know? I'm not the guy who's going to be famous, most likely for creating some genius song, you know, or playing a million licks on Instagram. But I do think that my contribution is my ability to, to teach these, teach this information. And I'm happy to do that. It makes me, it's what I'm most passionate about. So that worked out well. Anyway, anyway, lick learning. You're going to notice in the article that I have very, very corny, cheesy, basic, hokey licks. And to me, I do that on purpose. I could notate some complex, fancy sounding lick. I can find a lick or create a lick that's going to make you impressed and be like, wow, that sounds so good. I want to learn that. I could do that. 
but I don't do that. And again, I don't, I don't want to turn this into a, a separate tirade, but a lot of other teachers, a lot of other players in this modern day of TikTok and Instagram, what they do is they show you all of their most complex licks or they spend time learning these complex licks so that they can show you them so that you're impressed, so that you want to buy their stuff. And how do I know this? Because I've done it myself as a student. So you hear these complex things. You buy the product, the book, the lesson, whatever it is. You learn the licks. And then you're like, what the fuck do I do with this now? Do I wait for beat two of measure two? Do I wait for beat two of one particular song and throw in this lick that works in this one context? How do I, how do I rationalize this? It doesn't work. It does not work. And I know you've been there too because I've been there for a long time. And that's why I just teach these very simple licks that are meant to kind of show an overarching concept and a theme and a pattern and a thing you can use easily transferable. The licks are hokey and corny because they're obvious. And if you can get that obvious sound in your ear, you now know how to make it and you can use it to, to kind of spice up other things. You see, for example, let me, let me give you an example of what I, of why the licks are simple. If you are trying to learn how to cook, all right, and, and you have a chef, you have a teacher who's teaching you how to cook, he's not, he shouldn't bring you a fancy, okay, let's say he's trying to teach you how to create this salad dressing. He could bring you the salad dressing and pour it on your salad and say, oh, doesn't this taste good? And you can go, yes, that tastes amazing, right? That's, that's like someone giving you a fancy look and saying, doesn't this sound good? You go, yes, that sounds amazing. But that doesn't teach you how to make the salad dressing. And that doesn't teach you why it tastes amazing. What he should do is bring you a piece of garlic. Taste this garlic. How does that taste? You understand that flavor? Okay, here's some cilantro. How does the cilantro taste? How does the lemon taste? Now let's put the lemon with the cilantro and the garlic. Do you see how those all taste together now? How about just cilantro and garlic? How about just cilantro and lemon? How about a little bit of yogurt with dill? You see what I'm saying here? You want to see how all of these flavors taste a little bit out of time in different combinations. And then when you understand how these flavors work together in your mind, you can go, okay, I don't need a lesson on making salad dressing because I know what these flavors are and I know what I want to taste. So I'm going to add a little bit of garlic, a little bit of cilantro, a little bit of salt and lemon. And that's the salad dressing that I want to create for this particular meal. You see what I'm saying here? And you can do that because you know what all these flavors are. You know how they work together. Similarly, when we learn these very simple licks that kind of show these simple ideas and concepts, we learn the concept. We learn the pattern, we learn the sound, and then we go, okay, when I want that kind of a sound, I know exactly how to do it, and I can throw it in whenever I want. I don't need to go to my brain and memorize a lick and figure out on the spot where the lick goes. You just hear that idea. You have a craving for that flavor, and you know how to do it on the guitar. That's why we learn licks in this way. Anyway, I, I, I probably need to do an entire lesson on just learning licks the proper way. Maybe a different time. 
If you ever went and learned Paul Gilbert's original like alternate picking licks, he was masterful at this. Masterful because he didn't teach you some long alternate picking passage. He showed you like a, a, a four or five note pattern. And then he showed you, okay, I take this pattern. This is how you play it. This is the picking pattern. And then we can move this everywhere. That's the way you do it. Okay. So work on those simple licks that I show you in the article. And keep in mind that you're not learning these licks to play them verbatim. You're learning them to understand the, the concept of using that minor second, excuse me, the, uh, the minor third in between the major second and the major third. That's why you're using, that's why you're learning those licks to learn that concept so that you can apply it other places along with the rest of the major pentatonic scale. Now, the thing about the major pentatonic scale versus the minor pentatonic scale is that if you're playing over the blues with the minor pentatonic, with the minor pentatonic scale, you can just play every single note over every chord and it's going to sound right for the most part. You kind of figure out how to use that same scale over everything. But for a major pentatonic scale and developing the sophisticated blues idea, we want to play a different major pentatonic scale for each of our chords. And so you're going to have to learn some, a few different shapes. Again, it's all in the article, but we're just applying a major pentatonic shape relative to each chord in one area of the guitar. Okay. And so we're going to have one shape for our one chord, a separate shape for our four chord. And then we're going to take the four chord shape and move it up a whole step for our five chord. Now, there are a few important things about doing it this way. Number one, you want to do it all in the same area of the guitar neck for the most part, because you don't want to get used to jumping around the fretboard to find your ideas based on the root note on the E string, because then you're stuck just copying the same ideas and moving them around without seeing how they all relate to each other. So we want to stick to just the portion of the guitar neck that we're working on today, which is around frets one to eight or so, you know, one to eight, one to mm, nine around that area. That's like one hand, like you can grab everything with, without shifting. We want to stick to that region and we want to see how all these ideas connect. And while we're staying in that one region, we can see very clearly the important notes that are different, that are similar, and so on. When we're looking at the transition between the one chord and the four chord, you're going to notice that with the two shapes, there's just one note difference. So you play the pentatonic box, your major pentatonic box for the one chord. When you're shifting to the major pentatonic box for the four chord, there's just one note difference. And that's why we keep the that's why we keep things in one position because though we can see these important transitions. When we see these important transitions, they teach us something very important. That one note difference is going to be the difference between sounding interesting, sounding like you know what you're doing, and not sounding what you know what you're doing. If you take that note and move from the one chord to the four chord and make that transition with just the one different note, you're going to sound exactly like you know what you're doing because you do. In this case, we're going from the major third of the one chord to the root of the four chord. 
That's the only difference between the major pentatonic scale for the one chord and the four chord. And again, since there's only one different note, if when you change chords, you change that one note, it's going to very clearly show that change. And so this is one of the secrets to making your improvisation sound good. You play whatever you want, scales, arpeggios, whatever, when you're on the chord. But then when you change chords, you need to know the exact right note to play to show that correct change. And this whole lesson on the major pentatonic scale teaches that teaches us that really important technique in a major context over the blues. So we go from our root we go from our major third to our root of our four chord when we're transitioning from one to four. And then when we're transitioning back from four to one, we do the opposite. Move from the root note to the major third of the root note of the four chord to the major third of the one chord. Again, this is this is a half step away. Very, very simple, very, very powerful. Now, we're going to have to spend a lot of time at a different point talking about five chords. I could probably make a thousand lessons about five chords because when we're talking about music theory and we're talking about playing music, the five chord is our opportunity to really show anything we want to show because the five chord is our point of maximum tension. And the only point of creating tension is to resolve the tension. So you can play anything you want over a five chord and then just go back to the right note on the one chord and it will sound right. So we're not going to do anything fancy today. We'll save that for a different time. For today, we're just going to take the same pattern, the same major pentatonic pattern that we learned for the four chord. We're going to move it up a whole step and play similar ideas. And you're going to notice that again, the ideas that I show you in the article, they aren't complicated, they aren't fancy, but you can absolutely hear the correct direction that you're going. It sounds exactly like you're going five, four, one. I'll give you another analogy right here as we close. There are times when you're learning a new skill and in this case, right now, we're learning the major pentatonic scale. We're learning how to navigate the chords with the major pentatonic scale in a way that's going to be very, very clear. There are times when you're learning these skills that the goal is not to show something fancy. If you're in your first cooking class, your very first cooking class, and they're like, okay, today we're going to bake a cake. The teacher might even lay out for you. Look, you have the eggs, you have the flour, you have the sugar. I laid it all out for you. I measured it all for you. Because guess what? Today, you're not learning about how to measure. Today, you're not learning the science of how flour mixes with yeast or whatever. That's not what we're doing today. Today, I just want you to master how to use a whisk and how to know the proper consistency of a cake before you bake it. That's what our skill is for today. You've never even used the whisk. You've never mixed these flavors. You don't know how to get the lumps out. Today, we're focusing on whisking technique. And when you know how to whisk these things together properly, then maybe next week we'll start to learn how to measure things. 
The week after that, we'll start, we'll start to learn how to add some variety to the flavors by using vanilla extract or using orange peel. But today, you're just learning how to use the whisk. This lesson is just about learning how to hear the major pentatonic scale over every chord and finding and targeting the most important notes to use. And once you can do that, you can learn all the complicated licks you want. And you have this blanket of security because you know how to make it sound like you want it to sound at the most crucial point, which is when you're changing chords. You know how to highlight these sounds. So, quick summary. We have our major pentatonic skill. One, two, three, five, six. Those are the intervals. We can add in on the one chord our blue note. In this case, the blue note is going to be our minor third. And if you learn your major, your minor pentatonic scale, the same shape with the blue note is going to be the shape that we're using for the minor, the major pentatonic scale. Okay, so it's all the same notes. We're just shifting it over. When we move to our four chord, we have a new shape. It's just box five of the pentatonic scale. And we're adding our same blue note. Same thing with the five chord. We're learning these simple licks because we want to see the shape of how this works. We want to hear the important concepts. We want to be able to do it so that we can choose to do it when we want to do it. And we're keeping things simple so that it's easy to remember. It's very clear. And then we can add our complicated stuff on top of it when we are at that level. Again, the accompanying lesson on Patreon is free this time. If you want to support what I do, if you want more lessons, if you want more podcasts, signing up to Patreon will help me. As you all know, I'm working to make this a full-time sustainable thing. Everything is part of it. Um, the reason I'm buying expensive guitars, the reason I have the Patreon, the reason I'm doing the podcast, the reason I'm teaching these lessons, it's all part of trying to make this a sustainable business, a music education business. I know at times it doesn't seem like it because I'm just showing off a fancy guitar, but I do have a purpose behind doing things the way I'm doing them. And when this becomes sustainable, I can do even more stuff for you all for free. When this is sustainable financially, I can get more podcast guests. I can do more regular podcasts. I can do more free lessons. I can do everything like that. And I look forward to that. And I appreciate you guys supporting however you do, even if it's just by listening. By the way, I'm Andre Flood. Everything's linked below. I'll talk to you soon.